Hey, welcome everyone to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis, and Plant Profits is brought to you by Produce Global. I'm really been looking forward to uh, this guest. Uh, she's done some very important work in the cannabis arena, and uh, she's invented some um, products, and um, she has really changed the way uh, and affected the way how consumables are created uh, by the um, consumer. So I think that's real important. I want everyone to welcome the Plant Profits today, uh, Chanel Lindsay. She is the founder and CEO of Ardent Life, Inc. Chanel, how are you? I hope you are doing well. Thank you for being here on our show. Hey, Vern. Good morning. I'm very excited to be here. Hello, everybody out there. <laughs> That's great. Well, we're excited to, to to have you here. So let's, you have this journey that we're, we're going to explore with you today. So let's just talk about where did it all begin for you? Uh, uh, you're, you, you're living in Massachusetts now, right? Yeah, so I'm actually bi-coastal at this point. So I'm in, okay. in LA, so it's nice and early in the morning. It got me fresh. Um, okay. And But I'm from Boston, yes. Um, okay. home, and in fact, you know. You grew up there? You, yeah. You grew up in Boston, yeah, right? I'm from Boston. I'm originally from Dorchester. Okay, I know, um, the, I know Dorchester. <laughs> then I lived in Mattapan, and then I moved out to Stoughton for a really long time. I've lived all, actually all over the state. Um, uh-huh left to go to college in, at UPenn. So I was yeah, in Philly yeah. for a little while. Yeah. Um, but for me, it all really started, you know, um, as a teenager, right? Um, using cannabis and feeling a lot of stigma around it. Having my son when I was young and mm-hmm. um, when I was in college. And yeah. really um, at that point, you know, my experience with cannabis changing from something that was definitely, you know, something fun or something that helped me focus and study to something that I like really, really needed for my health and wellness. Um, yeah. Treat a really serious ovarian cyst. And at that point I started making edibles and topicals, believe it or not, my son just um, turned 21 um, this year. And so. Oh my uh, goodness. Did he grow up in Boston? So he grew up in Stoughton and Sharon and, yeah. um, yep. And Newton. And now he's actually in Brooklyn. I used to live there. I used to live yeah, there. So you know, I, I used to live there. I know the, I know the community. I lived in the Stoughton Sharon. Uh, oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, so we have area. a whole other conversation about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is, that is insane that, uh, you lived out there. Cause I didn't actually had an office in Kent. Yeah, uh, all that same area, right down yeah. there, Crescent Ridge. I still have a house over there. And, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, in fact, I had a chance to to go back and visit the house that that we owned in in, in that area uh, a couple of years ago, and that was a really cool journey just to just to experience and to show the kids because I had we had a, a a couple of kids that that started growing up there. You know, and so yeah. that was that was um, that was that was quite interesting. But your son is 21. Yeah, he's 21. And yeah. um, if you know about kind of Stoughton Sharon area, it's just the yeah. whole, you know, Massachusetts. It was um, really decimated by the opioid epidemic. Right. There are a lot of people that started passing away and dying and other okay. things like that. And so mm-hmm. that was also a very um, eye opening experience about how cannabis, right, could actually mm-hmm. come in and help and change that narrative. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if everybody wasn't prescribed 
prescription medications. And that was really what I was encountering, right? I was this young mother. I had this ovarian cyst. And Mm -hmm. instead of taking um, a bunch of pain medication, I thought, you know what? I could actually use cannabis, right? I could use edibles and topicals. But what made you think you could use cannabis? That I love plants so much, right? Okay. Um, at this point, I'm consuming daily. Okay. I love this plant already at this mm-hmm. point. And I got prescribed really, really high doses of acetaminophen for my for my um, ovarian cyst. Okay. So I started to do some research. At this point, I'm already like interested in the law. I'm, I'm just an analytical person, right? Before I start right. to do something, I'm going to figure out you know, what it's going to do to me. And I see all of these studies talking about how acetaminophen is going to hurt my liver. And I'm in my early 20s yeah. at this point. And yeah. I think, okay, yeah. if I'm going to have this cyst for, for 10 plus years, I actually still have this cyst. 21 years later, I've never had it removed and never, I've never had to use pharmaceuticals for it. I've only used cannabis. Right. And so I think, okay, I smoke this, but I already, I know that people in California, they're using this for AIDS patients. They're using this for cancer patients. Let me Mm -hmm. see if I can research and and see what I can do with this. And of course, as I begin to research this, even though this is, you know, 21 years ago, there's not any, a lot of real science behind it. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of anecdotal evidence about using and making these products. And so I go and I start doing this. I start doing this, you know, wherever I can. I'm doing this in my house. I'm doing this, you know, wherever I become a lawyer. I'm yeah. Growing, I, I start growing plants in my house because I really need a well, well, let's let's talk about design. that. I want I want to talk about that. So so you became you you went to Penn, you, you went to to Northeastern Law School. Yeah, I came home oh, and I went you to came home school. and went to law school. Yeah. And by then you you had your son, right? Yep. And I, and by then I'm already like making edibles and things like that. Um, and I right. go and I buy my house in Sharon, and I think I'm like, okay, I'm a lawyer. I'm on my way up. I'm also growing these plants and making all of these edibles. But but it's it, illegal. It's illegal. Oh, completely illegal. I mean, I'm hiding it all the time, and that was one of the biggest challenges. How did you deal with that though, from um, an ethics perspective? Well, I I thought you know. I understand and I know my morals and ethics, right? And yeah. I understand and know that this plant is helping a lot of people. And, and obviously the hypocrisy around prohibition was right. just something that became larger and larger and larger in my life, right? I'm right. becoming a lawyer and, and when you're a lawyer, this is what you see. A lot of people are alcoholics, a, yes. lot, a lot of substance abuse in the, in the legal field. Um, but at the same time, I'm using cannabis and there's a stigma around that. And that was incredibly hypocritical to me because I thought this is actually something that's helping people. And you have these other people over here. And for women, a lot of pe- women are um, get on like benzos and other pills and like clonopin and other things like that. And I saw a lot of that as well and and thought cannabis is actually it's helping me. It's helping me focus. It's also helping with my medical condition. This should not be illegal, but it was. And how I did, did you know, know yeah, but how did you know it was actually <laughs> helping with your medical condition? Okay. How did you know? Yeah. Well, when your pain goes away, <laughs> that, when that's the, a great <laughs> sign. Yeah, when the when the in the when the inflammation in your abdomen goes away, when you're able to control and manage that pain, I mean, that's the answer, right? That is why people are prescribed things, and so it was immediate for me, right? Using suppositories, using edibles, yeah. uh, and topicals, immediate relief. And so for me, it was, I was, I, I didn't need to be a convert, right? Because yeah. I already believed in cannabis, but I was able to actually change. I didn't have to use the prescription. There you go. But, right? but if you, yeah, and, and that, that's a similar story that you hear, right? Yeah. Is that people discover that the plant can really, from a medicinal wellness perspective, affect you in a very positive way. I mean, that's their argument. Um, 
But what was interesting to me as I was getting ready to have this conversation with you is is what you had to go through uh and and I'm I'm talking about um not uh, from the perspective of being an attorney having a career in the field of law but understanding there's something better for my wellness and my medical and my illness that I could be utilizing and it's against the law and now I'm going to do it because it's um, a, a, you think it's just right yeah. it may not be right but it's just exactly and that is the yeah. way I live my life right yeah. I mean as, a, as an attorney you see a ton of laws that are not just right and right. Um, but at the same time, you have to find that balance because, yes, I work very hard. I mm -hmm. mean, I still have law school loans. Right. And so, yeah. you know, just as far as what was at stake, I was a young mother. My child was mm -hmm. at stake. My legal mm -hmm. career was at stake. And it was something that I had to hide when I'm making products in my home. I was worried because my neighbors sometimes could smell it. Right. And that yeah. was the genesis for bringing Ardent about is being able to have um, the discretion around this. And I was arrested. Right. I was on. Yeah. The well, let's talk about that know? arrest. Yeah. And let's and that was very that scary, you know? Yeah. So, so at what? this point, I'm yeah. growing plants in my house, right? Which is yeah. very, very illegal. But <laughs> decriminalization had already happened, right? That's right. Yes. So, so I felt some level of protection, right? That's because right. decriminalized, and if I'm out and I have cannabis on me, I should only get a ticket. Well, that's not exactly what happened. I got pulled over. I had less than an ounce on me, but instead of getting a ticket, I was arrested. My car was impounded, and I was almost paraded. Why did that out. happen? Why did that happen? And on the scene, when did you see that it was not going to be justice? When he said, get out of the car. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I said, why? And he said, get out of the car. And I went, I got out and he came over and he threw the cuffs on me and put me in the back of the police car. And, mm -hmm. and, that, and at that point, I'm saying, why are you arresting me? This is less than an ounce. This should just be a civil fine. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. at that point, I'm like crying. I'm, I'm wondering what is happening because I'm telling him what the law is. And he's telling me that I'm getting arrested. And... Yeah. At that point, I'm about to be paraded in front of the same court and judges that I represent clients in. I'm about yeah. to lose my license. I'm going to lose my job. I'm probably lose my son. And yeah. that was like the most terrifying moment. And I how did you calm down? How did how well, did you get to the point where you could think through what you needed to do next? So I'm in the back of the car um, in the police car handcuffed and I'm crying at this point. I'm really upset. I'm watching them impound my car. But of course, I'm also thinking, like, how do I get out of this? And so I start thinking, why is he arresting me? You know, um, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. this is, you know, disparate treatment. Right. Um, mm -hmm. there, we don't get the benefit of the doubt. Right. And that is what was happening. And then we're in the police station and he's booking me and we're getting ready to go. And I'm asking where they're taking me. They're telling me they're taking me to Stoughton District Court. Great. Right. I'm okay. going to be seen by everybody as a defendant. Everyone's going to know that I was arrested. I'm going to lose my job. And then I start thinking, um, you know, they, they, how do I, how do I get them? How do I wake them up? Right. So I think, and I say to them, you're violating my civil rights. Mm -hmm. I figured that might, that might perk somebody up. Right. It might um, click. Yeah, exactly. You're violating my civil rights. And I said, yeah. you're violating my civil rights because you should not be arresting me. And um, you, you are right. Because this is, I should just be getting a civil fine. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman in there with the police officer, maybe she was dispatch or something. And she said to the police officer, when I said that, she said, that's not true. You had probable cause to think it was over an ounce. And in my mind, I thought, wow, this woman, she really wants me to go to jail. She I does. I remember thinking that. I just remember thinking, yeah. 
she really wants me to go to jail over this. And, it, and that was right. like, very painful. But then I said, as a lawyer, when she said that, I said, <clears throat> okay, that might've been true on the side of the road that you have probable cause, but we're in the police station right now and you have every tool that you need, like a scale mm -hmm. to weigh mm -hmm. that and to know whether you should be arresting me or not. Mm -hmm. And it got silent, completely silent. And then they both just left the room. No one said anything. They just left the room. Well, they had a conference. And I, yeah, and I sat yeah. there and, I, and it's quiet and I'm thinking, what the hell's happening? And then the police officer, he comes back on his own and he says, it, it was 14 grams. And I said, I know. And he said, okay, you're free to go. And he took the cuffs off me. So they did, they went back and they waited, but it was just that technical thing of, okay, wait a minute. Okay, pro and she know it. And it's right. like a law school exam. She's like, there's probable cause. And then I'm like, uh, okay, maybe then, but now, you know what I mean? You are violating my civil rights. You can't just go as, as, the, as the authority, as the police and not you know, investigate to understand yes. whether or not you're doing this. And so I think at that point, I didn't tell them I'm a lawyer. They asked me what I did. And I said that I worked in an office. Because uh -huh. I do not want to, again, like, you you know, especially as a black person, sometimes uh -huh. you know, your status can be used against you. And again, I didn't want them to be broadcasting this. But I think at that point, when I'm talking about probable cause and giving legal arguments, they might have thought, OK, wait a minute. Like, we yeah. need to think about this maybe that's why they ask you the question, because when 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 I, I discovered the story, I really thought that you told them maybe that sometimes what you did. Say, hey, I'm a lawyer. I'm a this, you know, again. Yeah just how that woman wanted me to go to jail so bad. Like yeah. she would report me or I don't know, you just never know what people are gonna do. And so that was a real eye-opening moment. I had I went home that night and um, was very upset. The police also, after that, even though I just got a ticket, they actually just started showing up at my house randomly. Yeah. Um, and so about two weeks later, they just showed up. And at that point, you can imagine- What I'm would they say I, when they knock on the door? When so they knocked on the door and they said, oh, hi. Um, we noticed over the weekend, a Memorial Day weekend, because this happened like uh, right before that, um, mm -hmm. that you were down at your mother's house. You were down at, you know, they gave the address mm -hmm. at my mother's. And we noticed that your registration was expired. And for people that live in this town, instead of giving them a ticket, we just like to come by their house and um, and tell them that they're expired. Mm -hmm. and I said, okay, thank you. And closed the door and said, oh my God, I'm, I'm being watched. And yeah. And so yeah. that night I went upstairs and I cut down every single plant that I had and I cried while I cut them down because they were almost near harvest. And then I was pushed back to the, you know, to the traditional so, market, you know, yeah, which very is, difficult. yeah, the very, very difficult. And, back and look, to my weed man and none yeah. of the good flower, you know what I mean? Yeah. And as much as I love the weed man, like I was growing super high quality. I was growing it for my medical condition. So it really pushed me back into a place of prohibition, a place of fear. And that was definitely at that moment, I didn't think this is going to be the fuel that pushes me to be a leader in the, you know, in the legalization movement. Honestly, I pushed it down as like the worst thing that happened and forget about it and just push forward and try to do what you're going to do. But it was a very dark time, you know, for yeah. the, like five years. I tell you what, that. we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and I want to get into the legal, your involvement in the legalization Absolutely. Uh, uh, effort in Massachusetts. I really want you to share that with us. I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits and Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. My guest today is Chanel Lindsay. She's founder and CEO of Ardent Life Inc. Uh, very interesting personal story that uh, Chanel just shared with us. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thank you. Plant profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back, everyone. I'm Vern Davis. I am your host of Plant Profits, and thank you for joining us here 
today on Plant Profits. Our guest today is Chanel Lindsay. She's a founder and CEO of Ardent Life. She's also an attorney, uh, a trained uh, attorney. Now, look, this 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 movement, this cannabis movement in the state of Massachusetts. Tell me how you got involved, and tell me what you you know what's happening there today. Absolutely. So. I got involved again, you know, um, the, the my journey in the law and mm-hmm. my journey to create Ardent, you know, and our decarboxylating product yeah. really converged together um, back in 2015. I had invented the device and sought patents on that and was bringing that to the market as an ancillary um, product. At the same time, I was also... Um, so this device, this appliance, yes, that you, which I, I love the fact that there's a cannabis appliance That's right. that in your house, you can affect what you eat by, by Making utilizing any this, product, any Making, product yeah. cannabis through baking, through topical, through yeah, suppositories, yes. anything yeah. really, it just is, it is what I wished I had back when yeah. I was making products, which is just right. a really simple, easy way. So at the same time of becoming, um, you know, a cannabis business person, right. and also speaking up about the lack of um, diversity in the medical program that had come about. Um, I really, when you uh, say lack of diversity, not, yes. not on the patient side, not on the patient side, but actually ownership. So there oh, were no, no ownership black side. owned. Okay. There were actually no minority or black owned um, dispensaries in Massachusetts when I came to the medical side, because it was a really difficult. You know, it was like fifty thousand dollars just to apply. Very yeah. very difficult. So I was tapped um, to be one of the authors of question four, right? When Marijuana Policy Project came to Massachusetts or decided that they were going to put a ballot initiative forward, they tapped. Um, a bunch of folks, including me, um, mm-hmm. to come on. I was the only black person that was part of that drafting committee. And so okay. I took it very why seriously. Why is that? Why, why, yeah, why, and this is what why, happens. They yeah. just, it's just small groups of people that are involved mm-hmm. in this. And this is why I tell people become mm-hmm. very active even before legalization comes in your state because these things are happening behind closed doors. So yeah. thankfully, we were able to get a lot of equity provisions in there. And when we were pushing for legalization, when people were saying, hey, no one's getting arrested for cannabis anymore guess who was able to come and tell a personal story about that happening to me, even mm-hmm. though it was something that I hid for a long time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was actually able to come and say, look, at if I, this is happening to me and Sharon and I'm a lawyer, what do you think's happening to kids in Dorchester? Right. And mm-hmm. that decriminalization isn't enough, right. That it didn't protect me, um, that we actually need the ability to grow, right. To grow at home. And so we fought for home grow and we got that right. We mm-hmm. always need to fight for home grow. Like in my opinion, a no legalization scheme is, is, is complete until you are able to grow at home. And we also, got exclusivity for people, um, equity applicants. So people from marginalized areas are the only ones that can do delivery for the first three years or do consumption for the first three years. And so now five years later, we're still fighting. In fact, right after I get off of this, I'm about to record something about calling our local senators because right now, finally, five years later, there's a package that's coming up that says that there's going to be a cannabis equity fund and that the Cannabis Control Commission can actually go and impact community host agreements. So there's going to be millions of dollars going back to equity businesses if we can mm-hmm. make this push happen in the next couple months. So it's like you, it's a marathon, right? You get mm-hmm. the legalization, but it's a constant sure. fight. 
to make sure that the policies that are, are going the right way and that there's actually support for these minority owned businesses in the space and for small businesses, right? And for farms. And that's, you know, I was mm-hmm. on the advisory board. I was appointed by the treasurer after we won, you know, legalization. I served two terms on the advisory board and, and you know, really use my voice there as a lawyer and as a business, you know, person and seeing all this to say, we need to make changes in the industry. And that's kind of the thing I'm most proud of, like being able to, you know, have all these different hats, but have an insight and a voice and, you know, speak up for our community that's trying to be a part of this because we definitely have um, borne the brunt of it all these years. Is it changing? Somewhat, yes and no. Big money's coming in, MSOs are coming in, and just like any other industry, there's money here. And that's the problem Mm -hmm. with cannabis. There's a lot, there's a lot of money. And when that happens, there's a lot of money to be made in this Mm -hmm. new industry with this new amazing plant that you are starting to see big companies try to come in and take over the culture or usurp the culture or just whatever. They don't even care about it. They just want to make money. And that is hurting, you know, small businesses, businesses. And that's why on the federal level, we're fighting that if federal legalization is going to come, it has to protect what we've already built in the states around equity, because otherwise, you know, it's going to erase our entire culture. So that's very interesting what you just said about, here's what I'm going to distill it. Big business comes in, money comes in, bigger business, more money, Profits over the, everything. The equity goes away, <laughs> right? Exactly. exactly. It's, so, okay, let me give you some news here. That's going to happen. Yeah, we know. Right. But, but you know what? It's going to kind of happen over our dead bodies. <laughs> So, you know, that's how we feel. And honestly, we fought and we fought really well. And, you know, people Mm -hmm. didn't think we were going to be able to do in Massachusetts. When we won delivery, all Mm -hmm. the MSOs, they came and they sued. And we put a public campaign out. And a background legal campaign because Northeastern Law School, you better believe I get them involved in everything and they come and they actually put their full force and give us students and do legal Mm -hmm. research for us. So, you know, becoming a lawyer was probably, you know, the best thing that I ever could have done because it is helping me, um, you know, cut through the bullshit, to be honest with you, to be Mm -hmm. able to come back and say, actually, no, these regulations aren't illegal. This is the way we structure it. You can do this because guess what? Those big companies, they have lawyers. They have a lot of lawyers and people get scared of lawyers when lawyers Mm -hmm. say, oh, this is unconstitutional or this is going to go to trial or whatever. But we're not afraid of that. Right. We're not afraid of We're not afraid of writing legal arguments and we can win them. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, is a legacy that I'm hoping to leave and working with other lawyers in the industry where we're doing, you know, awesome things there this is this is great now you know my experience tells me when something is inevitable at some point before you even up you need to redefine victory Mm -hmm. what's the definition now of what victory is Uh, because this, you know, this is good. This big companies, more money mainstreaming it's, it's happening. So how, how do you win on the mission that you're on? I say, look at what we're doing in Massachusetts, right? It's incremental, um, but it's strong. It's strength in community. It's Mm -hmm. pushing back and using information and data to actually affect policy. So I think you look at Massachusetts and you say, we have the only people that can do delivery or equity for the first three years. And in in 24 months, that might get extended for five years, right? Social Mm -hmm. consumption, the same thing. 
Mm -hmm. um, we're right now about to have a social equity fund. I mm -hmm. think re replicating what we've done in Massachusetts and every mm -hmm. other state, to me, that looks like victory. Going and making sure that at the federal level that nothing happens until we ensure that there is some equity in there. That's what, you know, success looks for me. And for me, what actually mm -hmm. I'm trying to do is provide a model where we can show how equity businesses work with mainstream businesses. Yeah. And that there is a way for that to happen that is solid and that mm -hmm. is good for everybody. And I think that that's something that doesn't exist right now that I'm hoping to provide as a model of yeah. that there is a way for us to coexist, but it's not the way that's being presented right now. Hmm. Yeah. So how far away are we on getting this federal legalization thing to happen? Quite far. I mean, yeah. every single time I get um, emails from my family saying, oh, look at this. It passed the house. Yeah, it passes the house every two years. Every right? two years. Right. <laughs> and the problem, what I see is the problem, right? And I've, I have been looking at, I have documents dating back mm -hmm. to 1967 that say federal legalization is definitely happening in five years. So I always think about that document that I yeah. see, that I know, you know what I mean? When people that's, say that. That's that's frightening. Too many, uh, federal, too many special interests, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Too many, it's, it's like, it always gets clogged up, but what we're, but it's kind of okay, right? Because what we're achieving at the state level is good. And what we're yeah. achieving at the state level is a Petri dish for understanding the problems and the challenges that come up. And there yeah. are ways for us as the equity community to say, look at what happens when you just let this market go on its own, because it's not a good thing, right? And you have all these people, oh, it's just gonna work out. No, it's not. So the more data we can show that it's not gonna work out, but here are the policies that can make it a little better. To me, that's what success is. Well, that's good. That that is good. That voice it has to carry. <laughs> you know, that is that is very good. Look, we're going to take a quick break and then I want to get back into Ardent. Okay. I want to talk about uh the appliance. And I think that'll be uh that'll be good. Hey, I'm Vern Davis. I'm your host of Plant Profits. My guest today is Chanel Lindsay, founder and CEO of Ardent Life Inc. We'll be right back. Plant Profits will return so our sponsors can profit from these messages. Hey, welcome back to Plant Profits. I'm your host, Vern Davis. Plant Profits is brought to you by Protus Global. Our guest today on Plant Profits is Chanel Lindsay, founder and CEO of Ardent. Now, we've talked through this whole conversation, bits and pieces about Ardent. And what you are doing with Ardent and you created an appliance. And I, I want to hear about how it's being received in the marketplace, how you're going about it, getting it to consumers. Tell us a little bit about the business of Ardent. Yeah, so Ardent is my baby. Um, she is a, an amazing um, device and we have four patents on the device itself. So this is okay. the larger one, the FX. We call this the Easy Bake Oven for Adults. Okay. Um, and then there's a smaller original device called the Nova, our OG okay. device. Um, okay. And she was who she carried the company for four years. And basically it's a decarboxylating machine. That okay. sounds um, scientific and scary, but really what it comes down to is it activates the cannabis so you can use it. But it activates okay. it in a way that you're able to use like half of what you used before and get the same effect. So it's an incredible really? cost okay. savings for people. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is that people yeah. feel like you need to have like an ounce of weed to make 
edibles. And what we show you is you can just use the extra little bit after you roll a joint, you know, all the little, mm -hmm. you know, shake that's left over. Mm -hmm. That right there is like a super powerful edible, right? And people don't realize that because really what we did is dug into the science behind it. So going back to when I'm making all these things in my house, medical marijuana comes to Massachusetts and a laboratory opens up. So of course I go and I run, I'm like the fourth person to the, the fourth client at this laboratory. It's all like, you know, dispensaries and me, yeah, right? They're right. like, hey, let me test my medicine. But what I found was that the oven, the toaster oven, anything that you're using to do this activation process, like the THC and the CBD, they're under this acid layer and you have to mm -hmm. remove that. That's why people smoke or they put it in the oven. But people didn't realize that when you're doing that, you're actually burning off like half of your THC. And so what I was able to do after going and doing the research at the laboratory was take the lab um, like specifications that we were using to activate and make a device that could do that. So this is, has like two sensors and an algorithm. Basically it's like a little, it's a lab grade heating device that really? activates the, the THC and CBD. So you put your bud in when it okay. comes out, it still looks like a bud, right? It's just a little bit darker, but on it, all the THC or CBD, whatever you put in is active on the plant. So you can just take a little bit of that bud and put it right into your food or put it right in a little capsule. And mm -hmm. when I tell you, Vern, it is like a tiny amount, right? In every nug, there's like 100 to 200 milligrams of THC. And how to figure that out is say if you have 20% THC flour, you know, mm -hmm. it comes in like, you just add a zero. So in 20% THC flour, there's 200 milligrams of THC in every single little gram, right? And wow. it blows people's mind. It's like- yes. When you're using other, like your kitchen appliances, it's so inefficient that you're literally just throwing THC away. So this allows people to take the tiniest bit of TH, um, like bud or concentrate or keef, whatever it is, they mm -hmm. put it in the machine, they press the button and an hour and a half, it's completely active. And now they can make anything they want. Literally think about anything on a dispensary shelf. You can deconstruct that and make that with your, just your extra bud lying around. So we make these kits, like this is like an apple pie kit. So it okay. has all the ingredients in it that you need to make your little apple pie and you can actually bake it right in here. So you take your little bud and you put it in and you have a little apple pie. This is just an example. We have kits for everything from suppositories to transdermal patches. And basically it's like, it's everything but the bud. And everybody has a little bit of bud around, right? And what people right. don't realize is when you're in the dispensary paying $40, $60 for a lotion or a salve or an edible, you don't realize that of that, the THC is the tiniest little part of it, meaning it's like the, le the, the THC and CBD is like the least expensive part of the edible. What you're doing is you're paying for all the regulation around it, right? It's actually mm -hmm. not hard or expensive to make cannabis products. People just think it is. And so we're really the only um, person or company out there saying, hey, look it, you can save so much. And then you can make so many more things, right? Instead of just making one cookie out of one nug, you can make a cookie, a salve, uh, all these different things. And so it's been very well received, you know, over these last six years, we really have become the leader in, you know, innovative technology. And as you can see from the story that we talked about before, this is all, I, I really create products that I need for myself, right? Like yeah, I didn't yeah. want to spend a lot of money. It's, it's smell proof, right? And so it's incredibly discreet. It's all the things that I needed back when I was making products. And that's what we do. We educate people. If you go on our website, there's tons of blogs and, you know, on ardentcannabis.com um, instructions on how to make all of these different products. And what we do is we basically give people the confidence 
even if they've never, literally, even if they've never seen cannabis before, we give them the confidence to make any product, you know, for a fraction of the price and customized, right? Because a lot of people, they want a blend of CBD or THC and you can activate all of the cannabinoids in here, CBD, CBC, CBG, mm-hmm. even things that people haven't heard of before. It really is, um, you know, the tool for anything. And we have people that are brand new to this who are, you know, helping their family members, you know, that have cancer or whatever they're doing and they don't even use the plant. Right. And so imagine that, imagine like you're trying to help somebody in your family who's sick and you know nothing about this, right. Mm -hmm. They can come to us and we take them through the entire process with the product, with the, you know, with the education that we have. And then at the same time, you know, the highest level cannabis scientist is using this device as they're formulating, as they're testing things, you know? And so it really is like the, I'm so proud of that. Like the breath of consumer that uses this because again it really is for anybody who you know touches cannabis at any how do you get your hands on that how how do you get it how do you buy oh so Mm ardentcannabis.com a-r-d-e-n-t cannabis.com and you can see um or amazon too we have a store there okay all the different products you can see um you go to our instagram ardent llc you know we do so many like tutorials and videos and just when when we see um you know when we do a little video people be like oh my god i can't believe you could do that with it and it's just like opening people's minds to the different things that they can do and make and for a lot of people for me you know I got really tired of eating like really sugary edibles really Mm -hmm. fat lace edibles Mm -hmm. always oil always butter and so we show people a different way you can actually have zero calorie edibles right when the bud comes out that is active so you can put that right into you don't have to have additional food in your diet right you can just put that in a capsule we have capsules in development and then just eat that. So one bud could be your 30 days worth of edibles. You put them in the capsule. We, our capsules are formulated like for sleep or awake. Mm -hmm. And so that's, what's coming down the line for Ardent, you know, all of these different little um, consumables that just help you use your bud better. Oh, that's terrific. That is great insight and great information. And what kind of feedback have you gotten from consumers? Oh my goodness. Um, we're retiring the Nova right now, right? It's becoming a collector's item. Um, and so we sent out an email saying that and the pouring in of emails that we got, which is just like, I love this. I have three of them. I, you know, this has changed my life. Um, we actually just posted something and it's just like, that's amazing. Cause my, my goal was to change my life. And, you know, when you see how frustrating it is, right. Um, like I said, for 10 years, I was struggling with this and I, that's what I didn't want people to have to do. Right. And, and now we're starting to, and we have always been hearing that feedback of like how easy it makes people's life, how much confidence it gives people that it just changes their whole trajectory around cannabis. Because one thing we saw when we were at the laboratory way, way back is that, you know, people were starting to get interested in cannabis, but there was a, um, a man, he was awesome. He came in and he tested his medicine. Can I tell you there wasn't one drop of THC in the entire thing that he made? And he was making for his wife that had epilepsy. So imagine he made that, gave it to her. What would they think? Cannabis doesn't work for me, right? And that would be a travesty because they're not making it right. And so that's what we wanted to come in and say. And that was, that was very inspiring for me at that point. I thought, okay, there is, there's, there's a huge impact we could make here by just making a device that takes all of that question out of it so that, you know, you're making it right. And now you can just get to the point of trying the different things around cannabis, not that struggle and pain around how do I even approach this? Right. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. Well done. Well done. And that's an awesome product with awesome practical use in everyday life. And uh, that's what an appliance is. 
Yeah, that's and awesome. we're hoping, you know, our goal yeah. is to be the crossover appliance, right? Because you can make other things. You can make soap and candles in it. Little, you know, kids can make it as and use it as safe, like an alternative to like the double boiler on the stove. You can craft in it. Um, and for us, we want this to be on everybody's counter, right? And it's used. Yeah for cannabis when it is, and it's used for herbs and other things, but really, you know, integrating cannabis into that daily life. And I think that's where we're going eventually, like removing that stigma. That's why it's, it's purple. It looks, it's, you know, it doesn't mm. look scary at all. It looks very inviting and really, um, you know, hoping to, to impact, you know, the rest of the world as they become more comfortable with it. And us be that conduit, right? Um, yeah. Cannabis doesn't have to be scary and, and it can be something that really is impacting and changing the world for the better. Chanel, absolutely brilliant. I want to thank you for being on our show today and Plant Profits. Uh, we had an awesome uh, conversation and uh, I'm your host, Vern Davis of Plant Profits. And our guest today again is Chanel Lindsay. She's founder and CEO of Ardent Life Inc. Look her up. Uh, look up the product, look up the appliance, um, and uh, use it, buy it, purchase it, and make it part of your uh, everyday life. I want to thank you again, all of you, for joining us here on Plant Profits. You can download episodes of Plant Profits by going to CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis Radio uh, is an awesome partner uh, with us, uh, and we love being with them. Subscribe to the show on all major podcast outlets, including Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts, go there, download Plant Profits today, and then look for this show uh, with Chanel uh, Lindsay, which will be coming out soon. Follow Protus Global, my company, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, anywhere you land on social media, we are there and learn more about how we are building companies and how we're changing lives at protisglobal.com, P-R-O-T-I-S global.com. And until next time, cheers. We are clear. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Great work. Thank you. That That is awesome. Yeah. Uh, what you guys are doing is, is really cool. You know, uh, to, to know that that exists. I mean, I know you may can't talk about this, but I'm sure there are other things coming down the road. Um, Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Coming down. So I will keep you guys posted. Um, this is, man, I love this industry. I love bringing, Mm -hmm. um, product to market. I like Mm -hmm. investing and that's the great thing about being a lawyer. Now I know how to like, you know, patent products and we've had, um, a lot of success there. So I definitely am going to, um, be bringing more things to market. I mean, this is definitely my lane. I'm, I'm staying in it for sure. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. I I just got to ask, are you making a living doing it? Yes. Yep. This is full time. Um, we've been uh-huh. doing this. We've been profitable since year two. Okay. Um, so, yep, we are growing and um, we have 10 employees. We are, you know, I think that I'm really proud of the business we're building, too. So it's going really well. Oh, that's great. Well, stay in touch with us. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, and as things evolve and, and things happen uh, from a cannabis um, industry perspective that we need to talk about. Let's do that. And as, as you start to bring out more um, appliances and items that make cannabis easy to, easy to be part of everyday's life, everyone's everyday life, 
then um, I think that's newsworthy and we should keep talking about it. Let's do it. I'm I'm totally down for it. And I love that, like making products that make it easier for v, for cannabis to be part of people's everyday lives. Um, yeah. sure. That's yeah. definitely my lane. Yeah, you can still laugh. I, mean, I, <laughs> I came up with that. Chanel, real quickly, I, I don't know if it's too much of a stretch. Is there any possible way for one of our, someone from our team to get one of the machines? Yeah, definitely. Um, connect with Meg. I know okay. you guys have already been talking okay. with her and I'll give her the go ahead on that for sure. Thank you. That's great. Awesome. Okay. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lars. Um, thanks, Vern. Brad, yeah. Talk to you soon. All right. See ya. Bye. Thanks. Bye. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.